Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Beanie Boy, and this is Cheers from the Press Box. I'm here with my co-host, as always. What's up? It's Brennan Tassif. What's going on, kid? And as always, we're here with our producer. El Greg, gentlemen, happy Sunday to you all. Yeah. Happy, happy Sunday. New record Sunday. day. Uh, have we decided if we're going to release on Monday? I'll see I think we not. should. I mean, okay. well, I mean, all right. Well, everything we it. talk about is super topical, so yeah, should have done that off there. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to get ready to get into the quick hits, folks. Uh, that's where well, the kickoff. Sorry, the kickoffs where we discuss the bigger discussions in sports. Look, it's a Saturday, I'm not used to this. You have one uh, job. <laughs> then we get to the quick hits where we discuss a few topics, uh, very rapid fire. Then we get into the walk off. Brennan usually cry. I usually try to say something motivational. And then we sign off with the press conference. Greg, take us to the quick hits. Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Here we go. I don't know why I can't get kickoff. We're correct. recording a little early and on a different day, so I, I understand. But you haven't even had that much time to drink yet. I mean, you think I did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Brennan, your Heat have won five straight to get back into the play. My Heat? They're my, no, they're your Heat. heat. They're my, they're your heat to get back into the playoff position. I think they actually won six three. I think they won the game tonight to get them finally back to Mount five hundred and at number five in the East, buddy. Yeah, I am. Um, we've been talking about this all uh, year. I mean, I know we're only about a quarter or a third of the way through the um, NBA season, but um, Miami did win tonight against Atlanta one hundred nine ninety nine. We are recording this Sundays for a little timestamp, but. Uh, we thought that they were going to get it back together. Um, yeah. So now six straight, they have now pulled in. Uh, they're tied with the Celtics um, as far as records are concerned. So they're kind of floating around that middle range for the East. Um, thank God they're in the East because they're in the <laughs> West. They'd be, they'd probably be pretty far out. Of, you yeah, know, they'll still be on the outside looking in. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think it's like we've been talking about. You know, between injuries and COVID, we knew they were going to turn it around. I'm very glad to see that they're starting to turn it around, uh, especially with Bam out of Bayou uh, playing a lot better. Obviously, right now, he um, did not. He did get that snub for the All-Star oh, game. Whoa, whoa, I, don't talk about it early. What are you doing? Right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This guy, I, he's not used to Sunday either, I guess. I'm, yeah, I'm jumping the gun. But <laughs> <laughs> they do have Tyler Hero, who's been playing well. Obviously, the scariest man in all of sports, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> so... I think we've been talking about it. They're going to be okay. They just have to find the rhythm. I'm glad they found it because it's one of those things where in a shortened season, um, even with a a playing game for the playoffs, I think it was very important for them to hit this streak. It was weird. In the first third of the season, we were like, well, we know they're going to get it. Like they're going to get on track, but we just didn't know when. And now we're seeing it. So I'm I'm really happy for the heat. I think I think this is going to be a good motivation moving forward. Yeah, you didn't want them to run out of time before they were able to hit their stride. Exactly, they beat the exactly. number one team in the West um, behind Jimmy. I believe he had like a triple-double that game against the Jazz. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy's back in full swing, like you said. Now he had a double-double. Sorry, 33-10. and 10. Uh, Big numbers from the big guy. Uh, as Brennan says, the guy is going to beat me up one day because I talked a lot of <laughs> shit towards the end of the bubble season. Um but no, yeah, uh, it's good to see everybody healthy back on the floor. Goran um, finally running at a full clip. Um, 
Yeah, because he's the one. The, the injury concerns with him with Drogic. Yeah, because he's hurt because every he's year. A little older. Um, yeah, he's getting up there in age. I think like thirty four, thirty five, and that's in like you were wrong. I meant to tell you this last week, two weeks ago. You were wrong. Um, about uh, what? Luca and Gorn are not from Serbia. They're from Lithuania. No, 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 no. They're from. Dang it! I just forgot. Slovenia. They're from Slovenia. Wait, Luca's from Slovenia? Yes. You're sure? I promise. Nikola Jokic is from Serbia. God damn it, Slovenian basketball player. <laughs> yes, son of a bitch. I was about to say, he and Goran are Slovenian. Yes. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Dragon. Shout out to Jimmy Buckets getting it done in, in all facets of the game. <laughs> but Brandon, there's another team on the <laughs> run right now. Uh, there is another team. <laughs> and they're trying to make the playoffs. They've been fucking going to Hamburglar, one in seven of their last 10 um, with wins against my Nuggets, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, again, my Nuggets, the Raptors, which aren't, I mean, the Rockets that aren't really good, uh, and the Celtics. Brennan, do you know what team I'm referring to? Yes, sir. The Washington Wizards. The Zardos are on a run, Brennan. What are we supposed to do here? Um, So we were... This is kind of a quandary because at the beginning of the season, I can't remember if you were on board with me or not, but I said, mark it. They're going to make the playoffs with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal on the same team. I know they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to get bounced in the first round. They're going to be an eight seed, but they're going to make the damn playoffs. That's what I said. You said this. And then we also said Scotty Brooks was going to be the first (laughs) coach fired. Uh, So I was kind of... Uh, it's kind of a little paradoxical that was a weird with hedging of our bets. Why, why yeah, would we say was. both of those things? <laughs> well, it seems like we're going to be right about the former, maybe not the latter, but it, it looks like the East is kind of everyone's muddled around the same kind of garbage record. Yeah. Um, the Wizards at one point had the worst record in the East and were only two games out of the playoff picture. So they're definitely turning it on. Like you said, they've got huge wins against super stacked opponents Teams they should not have wins against yeah so they're gonna play they were earlier in the season they lost tonight um against the celtics barely they just lost by one point um but uh right now bradley beal's going off at 32 almost 33 points a game russell westbrook is right around 10 assists a game 9.8 so i think that they're going to be able to kind of ride this out and i'm gonna st- i'm going to stick with my original bet that they will make the playoffs but I think they're going to lose in the first round. Right now, just in the Southeast standings, they're fourth, only ahead of Orlando and not by much, only kind of a, a couple win percentage points, but they've played less games. So we're going to see what happens. But I I mean, I don't think they're going to be any kind of force in the playoffs. What do you think? Do you think they're going to be able to turn this into something or you think they're just going to have a little run in midseason? I don't think they're going to turn this into anything. I think they're. I think um, what they are going to turn this into is saving Scott Brooks's job. Yeah, uh, I agree. Keeping Bradley Beal home for a little while longer for maybe an extra season or so, and um, just another stop on Russ's triple double spree at every city he goes to. Um, I don't think anybody's job is going to get saved with this. Uh, but I also don't see how this team is going to get better for the future. They're just going to be in this uh, treadmill of mediocrity and just 
towards the bottom of the barrel, especially with other teams getting better in around them. Like the yeah, I wanted Charlotte to ask Hornets, you about that. Atlanta, Chicago, like those teams are getting better. The Knicks, the Knicks are fourth Knicks, in yeah. the East Knicks right now. are really playing well. I wanted to ask you about 500. that. Do you think it's, so this is something that comes up a lot in basketball because in basketball, unlike football, even hockey or baseball to a lesser extent, but one person can make an incredible difference on a team in basketball because you play both ways. There's only five guys on the court at any given time. Do you think in a situation like the Washington Wizards, like the Orlando Magic, like these teams that have one or two great players, but they're still pushing to do something. You know what I mean? Like, would you, do you think it's better to try and be the seventh or eighth seed or try and fight to make the playoffs or just blow it up every time that you don't think you're going to make it? Well, it's hard to say because the fan base, you want to be competitive. You always want to be competitive, but if you're at eight, are you really competitive? I don't think so. If you're at seven, are you really competitive? No. If you live at the four to six seed range, I think any fan base will be happy with that because you're putting out a good um, product week in, week out. Uh, You're showing up in the national media. You're going to get nationally televised games year after year. Um, And you could potentially, hopefully sway a bigger player to come to your team. But if you're if you're toiling away in the seven to 15 it's like what are we and and you have max players on your team it's like yeah then what are we doing this for yeah that's the thing because it's one thing like so everyone's talking about um Orlando getting rid of to cut you off it's it's one thing to be the trailblazers than to be the wizards yeah, okay. Everybody exactly. loves the Trailblazers. Yeah. But everybody's like, what are the Wizards doing here? Yeah, and it's just weird because like um in certain situations so this is I heard this, I can't remember, I wish I could give credit, but I heard that in the NBA it's the GM's job to tank, it's the coach's job to win games. If that makes sense. So the GM is the one who trades away players and stuff like that, but the coach is always still going to try to win because the coach wants to keep his job. Yeah. So I always just found it fascinating because there's a lot of talk about Orlando getting rid of Vooch this year because he's their best player. And if they got rid of him with Fultz being hurt and uh, Gordon being hurt, like they, they'd have a clear path to try and get a top pick. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well you have injuries. So if you blow it up, trying to get a top pick, like, like same thing with the wizards, they've got two max players and it's like, well, yeah, but those aren't the max players that are going to uh, clearly going to carry the team into the yeah. you know late rounds of the playoffs. So like what what are they supposed to do? You got to shuffle the deck. You got to reorganize. You got to I think they should trade Beal. That's what I think. Like, <laughs> I I said last week they should trade Beal to the Lakers. I mean, that's a yeah. pick for the Lakers to do and that's something they should do. But um yeah, no. I I I I, just, I don't see what is the point of being paying the top dollar for a player to be it's like shining a turd it's like why are you <laughs> why are you putting forth this effort for a lost cause um, yeah i didn't mean to derail us i just that we were talking no, about the wizards and that's that's the main thing i think of when i think of the wizards it's like yeah you, you do have some money like a bit of money dumped into this roster and on paper 
you know, you have a couple of these guys, especially Beal and uh, Westbrook. Russ is on like, I think he has two more years on his deal. Two or three more yeah, years on his deal. and it's like, but you're not going to, like, just look at the way the season started this year. Like, it's not, you're not doing anything with that. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of doing. Speaking of what people are doing with what they have, Brennan, you brought up. You brought up the All-Star Game. You invoke the name of the All-Star Game and the conversation that always comes around. Who was snubbed and who should have rightly been on the roster, Brennan? Who do you think? Now, there were some corrections. Uh, Devin Booker, who was probably the most glaring snub, is getting in the game, but only because Anthony Davis cannot participate. And Dante Sabonis, son of Arvinus Sabonis, um, is getting in because KD can't play. But who do you think is still left out of the roster? And remember, whoever you t- put in, somebody has to be taken out. Yeah, so um, my biggest thing was um, Bam out of Bayou. I thought, because everyone else that I was thinking about, because I was thinking Zach Levine, but he got in. Um, obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are my guys. Joel Embiid, you can't argue with. No. I'm kind of pissed Kyrie Irving was voted as a starter. I mean, I know he's been playing out of his mind, but he did like just vanish on his team for a while. Um, but yeah, I uh, I would definitely uh, probably go with Bam Adebayo. And it's going to pay me to say this as a Magic fan, but I would take out Vooch. Oh, all right. I feel like if I had to, if I had to make that change, if I had to make that pick. But everyone, I mean, that's only a gun to my head. Like you have to change something. Um, I actually think with... Um, Devin Booker getting in there and Sabonis getting in there that the, the rosters look pretty right on. I'm what do you think? Where, where are you at? Glaring omission. Right okay. I was about to say, how is he not on that team? Um, uh, for a second, I thought I didn't see Harden. I was going nuts. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> for a second, yeah. I was like, wait a darn minute. Um, but no, bam for Vooch. That's, that was one I was going to make. Um, oh, but look I, at us. Always the same person. I have another one. I, Glaring I I omission. Zion, second year in the league. Your team is towards the back end. Uh, I don't know if you should be in there over Trey Young. Okay, Trey Young okay. has been lighting it up in the A. They've been they, uh, they they've they've dipped of late, but they were doing really well at the start of the season. And I think Trey. I mean, the game's in Atlanta. Uh, it's a marketing opportunity for the NBA to get your biggest player in this market on the game. Um, so, yeah, no, I think Trey should be in there over Zion. But Zion, it's box office, and I understand. But second year in the league, you only played, like, what, 15 games last year. I don't really think he should be in this game just yet. If his team was in the playoff picture at, say, maybe nine or eight, yes. But his team currently on the outside looking in. Yeah, I agree with that. I, uh, I originally, when I was looking at the list – um before all the changes were made, I was thinking that uh, it should have been Booker over Zion. Um, yeah. But obviously with everything, the way the chips fell. And of course, you know, there's certain guys like Rudy Gobert is going to win defensive player of the year. Maybe he's been playing out of his mind and Utah's on that crazy tear. Um, Anthony Davis, you can't argue with. And then, of course, Luka Doncic and then his floorness. Nicola, the Joker, joke it. So you can't, like I said, I don't, there are some snubs. The whole Mike Conley thing we can get into if you want to. Do just, we? Do we what, what, why I, I don't want to get into it. I just think. Why should he be in it? 
No, I'm not saying he should be. And I think it's fascinating that Mike Conley, as long as he's been in the league and led those Memphis teams to some pretty great records, has never made an all-star team. Has he had a season that felt all-star worthy? No, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying no, Mike Conley is... I, no, I, I, I'm not responding to you. I'm responding to just the, the people who keep this narrative going on and on. Because me and my brother had a brief uh, disagreement about it. He was like, he should get in because, you know, he's playing really good. I was like, really good is not all-star level. <laughs> I was yeah. like, it's called the all-star game. <laughs> no, you're right. But then... I just uh, he scored no, over I twenty agree with points you. twice in his career. Twenty point five, and it's not a lifetime achievement. Yeah. This is not. We're not just handing these. This is not cookies at the fucking bake sale. We're just not giving these to everybody. Who I know walks it's not by. a lifetime achievement award. I know that, but it's just Connolly was a pivotal piece on a lot of those teams that he's been on and currently on. So I just, I just, I, just, I mean, I <laughs> guess it's pe- one of those a lot things of pivotal where it's pieces like, don't get in, man. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you you're can right. Be a pivotal okay. piece don't mean you're an all star. <laughs> all yeah, right? that's true. That's why I call him role players, baby. I mean, do you roll? Do you chat? He's he's a great player. He's a really good player. He's not a great player. He's he's a really good player, but does he move the needle? I was about to say, no one has lost anything from not having him be an all-star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I agree. What what was he going to add to the game? He doesn't. There's nothing he does spectacularly well enough to be like, he has to be in the game. It's no, a display right. case. The game is a yeah. display case. We want dunkers. We want three-point shooters. We want great assists. We want alley-oops. He does none of those things. He's a he's a, he's a a great floor general. He's going to make the right pass. He's going to spot up and shoot sometimes. But he does nothing to excite anybody. That's why Zion's in the game, to excite people. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right. I agree. I agree with you. I'm yelling at you, but I'm really yelling at my brother because he brought it up while we were getting ready to record who does a pod. And I was like, we're not doing this now. (laughs) (laughs) That does. (coughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you got it. No, I was just going to say talking about uh, players that can make amazing plays that brought up an interesting point that I wanted to discuss with you about. So we've seen it now in three games in the last like two weeks, week and a half of uh, players. You're going to twist the knife on me. Going down the court, and one or two of them were in fast break situations. I know one of them was a four on one. That's the yours. The Nuggets uh, was the four on one. Yeah, yeah, but it was really um, a three on one. Everybody's saying these four. guys. It was a trailer. So there's a, a trend in the NBA. Everyone knows that people are shooting more threes. Threes are the big thing because threes are worth more than two. So I'd rather shoot more threes and maybe miss say. more shots, but you get more points in the long run. I understand the analytics behind it, but. We've seen it now, like I said, in three games in the last two weeks where guys are taking wide open threes in the last five seconds of games um, when they're only down by two. So instead of going for overtime, it's almost like they feel like they have to try to win the game. And I wanted to get you're younger than me. So I wanted to. So you kind of are more down with this whole Threes I'm, for yeah, days I'm kind of stuff. You, but I was I was coached by nothing but older dudes. Oh, really? and, well, and I'm an Orlando Magic fan, and brothers. everybody knows Orlando Magic started this trend. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Back in 2009, yeah, three and D with, with uh, Rashad yeah. and Ray Frost and Jameer Nelson, Hito Turkoglu, Dwight in the center. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. So I'm I'm very I, I aware I'm very aware of the three and D situation. But where, what's your take? Because I. You have to go for the tie to go into overtime. Like these three, this hero ball, not My. talking about Tyler Hero, but this hero ball is insane to me. 
it, it's it's insane. Um, as Bob Ryan said, the three point line is poisoning the game. Um, but yes, no. Any any kid growing up, you know, fast break, three on two, three on one, two on one. One person is handling the ball. The other person cut to the basket. Um, in the Denver play in particular, Michael Porter Jr. went to the ran to the corner. And then Compenzaro was at the wing and Jamal was on the other wing. It was like, Michael Porter, you're 6'11", dumbass. If you don't run to the basket for an alley-oop or for a dumping pass to just put the ball on the glass and get the easy two points and go to play another five minutes, I don't see why um, they're just trying to win the game or win the game the harder way, the further away from the basket where you can get two quick, easy points and just, you know, keep it moving. But um, I, I think it's like Wilbon. I, I hate to sound like the old yeah. guy off my lawn, but yeah, the three-point line has poisoned the game. Everybody wants to be the hero. Everybody wants, you know, the ESPN highlight um, of them ending the game and everybody running to them. Yeah, and rushing, yeah. Yeah, it's like, just no, just go play smart basketball. Two point, my, one of my basketball coaches growing up, you always would say, a layup is 99.9% effective. It's all, you're almost guaranteed to make it. So just yeah. go shoot the lay. He would tell us, don't shoot the three. Go for the layup. <laughs> well, and in the Denver situation, Jamal Murray, I think, should have taken that shot. He should have taken the shot. I don't know why. He I mean, if you hesitate, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to pull from three, why are you dishing? Why are like, you giving the it best shooter on the team? Yeah. Why? So you're I just wanted to get your take on that because that, to me, it's one thing. Like I know you want to shoot threes during the game, but it's like you said, it's a, it's a your basketball IQ sort of thing. Like do the smart play. Like that's yeah. not the smart play. And we can sit here and say, yeah, well, if they would have made it and they would have won the game, no one would have even thought about it. But it's like at the same but time, it's it. like, but yeah, exactly. But you did yeah. it. So now we're all talking about it. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say about that. No, yeah, it was a conversation that needed to be had. I'm glad we had it. Uh, speaking of conversations that have to be had, Brennan. <laughs> one Russell Wilson. Mr. I'm never going to say anything offensive to anybody or about anything. Put out a statement via his agent to Adam Scheffner, which this is the best. This is the best statement I've ever seen. Now, Russ hasn't demanded a trade, but he has four teams he would love to go to just in case. I have it pulled up. Do you want me to read it exactly? Read it verbatim. Okay, um, quoting Adam Schefter, quote, Russell Wilson has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears. His agent, Mark Rogers, said to ESPN, end quote. What? What? <laughs> so the fact, a couple things. If you don't mind, I'm going to jump in on this because I've... Go for I've it. I am a huge fan of I'm other another perplexed. podcast, which we will, will not name, but he's been on Ryan Rosillo has been on oh, this Jesus. Russell Wilson thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's been on the Russell Wilson thing since he was doing a show with SVP back in the SPN days because he, and I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what he uh, has said. He loves him as a player and everybody loves him as a player. He's an, you know, he's never gotten an MVP vote but he is an MVP caliber player um, in a lot of games. Let Russ cook was a huge thing that took over the internet, but Russell Wilson does not, does not say the wrong thing 
and in almost every case does not say anything of value when he speaks. Yeah. It's go Hawks. It's, I just thank God for this opportunity uh, on the podcast. They say, literally. My, uh, sorry to cut you off. My favorite fun fact about Russell Wilson, every on a Sunday night broadcast, when they have the players say where yeah. they went to school and all that, do you know what he says? No. He says, uh, a whole, a wolf pack of a whole pack of badgers. Now, do you know why he says that? Why? A whole pack of badgers. So he played for oh. NC state. The yeah. Wolf Pack, and he played for Wisconsin, the Badgers. To yeah. make sure neither school is offended, he's created this phrase so that everybody feels included. This guy That's, says nothing without careful consideration. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard him on the Dan Patrick show, um, but Dan's got a really good way of getting players, not Dan's just players, but people, Dan's the best. to say things because. They, you know, they look up to him. He's been doing it for so long that they feel comfortable around him and they say things. And he he even said the quote from the Dan Patrick piece was, you know, I want to play in Seattle. I want to be in Seattle. But if they decide to trade me, then they decide to trade me. And he goes, do you think you'd be traded? And he said, that's a question for Seattle. This is a guy who they literally can play a clip of him after a game from this year, from last year, from 10 years ago. Like, it doesn't matter. It's all sounds the same yeah it's the same clip he sounds so, like a robot yeah so for Most him to go times. out of his way to say this he wants out of seattle i i'm gonna say it right here this is nuclear even though it doesn't seem nuclear the fact that he's saying anything means this is this is gone like this is he wants We're out of red. seattle yeah exactly and that's that's just my take um because you know i'm I follow football a lot more closely than I follow anything else. And for the fact that he even said anything, even named other teams, it's that's, over in that's Seattle. That's the thing. It's he over. named – the statement is so funny to me because he's saying, I don't think – look, I don't want to leave, but in case I left. That's like if you went to your girlfriend and was like, hey, you know, I want to marry you, but in case we don't If we married. don't, your sister's pretty hot too. Yeah. <laughs> your friend Rachel is amazing. I don't know if you know – it's it's very uh, keeping one eye. He has a wandering eye. Now, what I really want to talk about is which team do you think he would be the best fit on? Oh, the Saints, hands down. Saints. Yeah, that's the obvious you, choice. That's the obvious choice. Yeah. What do you? What were you thinking, Cowboys? No, wild card <laughs> team. I would. I would. I'm not gonna say it just because I can't imagine the Cowboys being good because my Eagles fandom won't allow me to do that. Um but the team that would be interesting now, Russell Wilson's best years were with Marshawn Lynch, every down back. I think he would be exceptional with the Raiders. That was going to be my next choice. I was going to say the Saints. Henry Ruggs, yeah. Josh Jacobs. Now, their defense would have to improve a lot over uh, the last couple of years. And he'd also be in a division with... Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, which is nobody wants to do that, and Justin Herbert, which you don't want to do that, but that would be interesting. He'd be in Las Vegas. Think about the implications of his wife. She's a performer. She could get yep. a residency in Vegas. You know, you have to take all these things into account. Um, so I think that's I just think the best football team. fit would be I agree with you because I was going to go Vegas, but then I, the more I thought about it, 
think the best yeah, football fit right now would be the Saints, um, but they're a hundred thousand billion dollars over the cap Way right now. So over they the have, cap right now. Yeah, they're going to have to cut a lot. So a lot of that talent that's on that team, they're either going to have to renegotiate contracts or cut a lot of those players. Like Trey Hendrickson's probably not going to get a new contract just because they can't afford it with Cameron Jordan on the other side. So. But I think just from a talent standpoint, the Saints would be the best team for him. And then the Raiders, because I completely agree with you. Josh Jacobs, Henry Ruggs, like that team on offense, they got some big boys up front that could protect him. Waller, oh, get out of town. Like they're ready to go now. (laughs) And he's played with a bad defense the last couple of years, so he'd be okay with that. Yeah, exactly. So it's just he's going to be trying to outscore everybody. Yeah, but but he's done in Seattle. Mark it. El Greg, (laughs) mark it. He is done in Seattle. Greg, write it in stone. So he has said it. So it is a fact. I don't think that's the same way I worded it last week, but whatever. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks and not being <laughs> wanted. Yeah. Brennan, there was a GQ article about our comeback player of the year that we booked before the year even started. Hell yeah. Take that, pro football focus. Uh, Alex Smith said he felt in the building of Washington that he was not wanted, Brennan. How does that make you feel? <clears throat> I understand it. Uh, every team I've ever played on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is the story that came out. It, it's It makes me feel a few different ways. And I only say that because part of me is proud of Alex Smith. Like, good for him. He worked his ass off. And it was able to throw a monkey wrench into the situation to where they had to look at him as the starting quarterback. Then there's another. And there, also, Dwayne Haskins threw a lot of money in a strip club, which made them have to look at him for the situation. Yeah, but <laughs> like the fact that he was, you, you know this as well as I do. If he was not performing well enough in practice, Dwayne Haskins, I don't want to sound too hyperbolic. Dwayne Haskins could have gotten in a lot more, could have gotten in actual trouble, and they would have started Dwayne Haskins if Alex Smith. You know what I mean? Like, could not play. Well, they didn't but, go straight to. They didn't go straight to him. No, and that's the thing too is that he was. So, a part of me is very proud of him that he was able to come back. And like, I'm just kind of like, fuck yeah, man! Like, that's awesome. But then there's another part of me that's like, that sucks. Like, why even bring him in the building if you don't like? Like, just cut him. Like, under I, I mean, contract, I, dead. I know, money. and you, yeah, dead it's money. just. So there's a part of me that's kind of pissed at the whole situation that the Washington football team found themselves in. And now they've extended Tyler Heineke. Um, the Alex Smith, I think, is they're going to try and go forward with him the next year. But I just I could totally relate when I heard him say this, that he was in the locker room and he's like, I don't even nobody even fucking wants me here. But then he um, was able to, you know, play well. So, I mean, he let him to the fucking playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, I don't think. As callous as it may sound, I'm not shocked that they didn't want him around. Uh, it's a new regime. The people who initially brought him in are all gone. Uh, the only friend he had at the building really was the owner who would have him sit in the box with him the year prior um, after his surgery. Um and Rob Rivera is trying to identify his future. Uh, yeah. And Alex Smith is certainly not the future. Yeah. Uh, he was the first round, first overall pick in what, 05? Yep. Um, so 04, over, 04. 04? Jeez, 04? Rodgers was 04? No, that's 05, Brennan. I'm pulling it up I'm now. Giving it, I'm giving it to you off the top of my dome right now. That's the 05 draft. Pull it up. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting for this one. <laughs> 
I do agree with you though on the point. Oh, about, come on, uh, you gotta give me. Is it? I don't like. I don't like dead air. air. I'm not gonna give you dead. Okay, so I think the team, of course, was looking past Alex Smith. I was 100 percent right. It was the 2005 draft <laughs> from Utah. Motherfucker. Um, but so yeah, I no. was right, Joe. It's okay. You were wrong. You were off by a year, but that's all right. You said 04. I said 05. It was 05. Um, but yes. Um, yeah, of course, <laughs> the team was looking beyond Alex Smith. Alex Smith was in the rear view. He, he Look, no one had come back from that type of injury. Joe Theismann, it's... It's a, a it's a inflection point in the history of football where people refer to Joe Theismann type of injury, um, and for him to come back is is super miraculous. And I don't think anybody thought. I don't think I thought. I think once they started to see him actually getting things done in practice, they were like, maybe this is a this is a break glass and case situation. But you know, yeah. we've come in with Haskins. That's who we think is going to be our guy, and then. Rivera effectively brought Kyle Allen over from Carolina to be the yeah, backup. Yeah, that whole thing. I was say he got hurt, and that's when Alex Smith that's, got okay, back. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. You're right. So yeah, I just I I don't know. It's just I totally get the business side of it. Like I totally understand that. It's just putting myself in like Alex Smith's shoe. It's just such a shitty situation. Yeah, I mean, see what I did there? See, I said um, shoe and one shoes because ima- imagine. Broken. Imagine putting yourself in Colin Kaepernick's situation. <laughs> Brendan, the NHL is in full swing, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are on it. Talk about not being wanted. The Tampa Bay Lightning are on a heater, are they not? Yes. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, my Tampa Bay Lightning are on quite a stretch. Um, I believe it is five out of the last six that they have won. Woo! Including a five nothing route Whoa. of Dallas in the oh, Stanley Cup rematch, we are now leading the East. Let me pull up the exact standings. I'm going to do this just for my man Joe. Let's pull up the exact standings because we are ahead of his Florida Panthers, which we will what get into happen? in a second. Um, I did want to say I really thoroughly enjoyed the uh, all black uniforms. I don't know, boys, if you guys got a chance to see those. I did not get a chance to see these. I did uh, see well, the, the Panthers playing the throwbacks the other day with the old Panther logo. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah, they did. I love that logo so much. Yeah, they looked uh, the all black for Tampa Bay looked pretty sick. Um, I'll check it out. The Panthers. Anyway, I just want to pull the standings real quick. Well, I got you here. Same amount of points, but uh, Tampa has a game at hand. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I've seen so, these unis. These are kind of cool, but they kind of remind me too much of the LA Kings unis. But go ahead. So Tampa is on top, like uh, L. Greg said, barely. Um, we are now second in the National Hockey League, only behind the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who are up uh, two games up. But um, coming in, I mean, I think we're poised to make a run. You know, even though Coochie's been out this whole year, which is painful, Stamkos has looked really, really good. Even though he's older now and he does get hurt and they sit him a lot to try and rest him. But he had the game-winning shot uh, the other day. He's playing out of his mind. I think if they can stay on this path with Hedman and um, Vasilevsky and and goal in net, I think we're going to be all right. I think we're going to be all right. I think going to be all right. Nipping at our heels are Joe's Florida Panthers. Like Panthers do. Uh. <laughs> there you go. 
we've won our last we're we're two and two in our last uh four games. One of those were postponed because of the uh blizzard that happened in Texas. Hope everybody's all right there. Um but yes, I don't uh, fuck Texas. Well, hey, like just kidding. People, that was a joke. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, he's a comedian, folks. Um, I'm seeing a bad trend in the last two games. Go for it. What do you, what do you got for me? No, I'm sorry. I was pointing he's towards pointing his to comedy. Oh, uh, I, was like, I was like, why is he asking to talk? A trend in the last two games that I'm not comfortable with. We've been going down and then making runs late. And the game against oh. Dallas Stars. We, that we won, we went down 2-0 in the second period. Then we stormed back in the third period with three straight. All right? That was a good win. We tried to do the same thing against the uh, Hurricanes of Carolina. I, I don't know why. I don't, I'm not comfortable saying Hurricane of Carolina. Um, <clears throat> Vinny Trocek, who was once a Florida Panther, uh, he scored a goal in the first they scored another goal in the second. We tied it up. They scored again. Then we scored again. In the th- oh, this is in the third. Amazing third period. But then it went to shootout after overtime was extended, and we lost in OT. Uh, we lost in shootout. So I need them. The, the problem may be Bobrovsky um, between the pikes. We might have to go to the, I think his name is Dreeter, the backup goalie who's been playing almost as good. Well, he's been playing far better than Bobrovsky this year, honestly. Um, we might have to go to him full time in the back of the net. Bobrovsky, we we signed him from the Blue Jackets a couple of years ago, I think two years ago now. We might have to eat that 10 middle year contract and just go with the young guy. Did you um, sign him because he was he was playing well? Obviously, yeah, was, I mean that's why you playing, sign players. But. He was playing really well for the Blue Jackets. I think Blue Jackets had made a deep run that year in the playoffs. Because I know and, that um, happened with Tampa and uh, Ben Bishop. I mean, we've talked about it before, but then they took him out one game, and Vasilevsky played like out of his mind, and yeah. they were just like, "Oh, who's this young young rookie from Russia?" And so they ended up just <clears throat> trading Ben away and getting. So I'm thinking you might be in a similar situation. Yeah, we're in a similar situation, but the issue is like. Our goalie of the future is still in college. We drafted this kid. I, I believe he's in Boston College, and he's also like the American team, or the I think he's the American team goalie. Um, and he has one more year at Boston College, and he's probably going to do a year um, in the American Hockey League. Then he's going to come. So he's about two or three years away. Um, Dreeter, I think they're going to end up actually having to let him go next year, and then Bobrovsky's still going to be our goalie for the foreseeable year Damn. or two. Yeah, I know. It kind of so you guys kinda, are kind of stuck in it. Yeah, yeah, we've kind of put ourselves in a situation by signing him to a four-year, four year, uh, four ten mil deal a year, ten a year. So um, yeah, but. I mean, the team is still flying. We just have to play in spite of our goal. We have to, when he's behind the net, we got to know that we're going to be in a hole or we just got to cue. I think, I think cues are good. If your goaltender's uh, behind the goal, he's going to just probably, have to. Probably don't want him. But, yeah. <laughs> we're behind the eight ball. Uh, our coach is just going to have to make a decision and uh, decide to just start the dreeter ahead of him. Um, but yeah. All right, Greg, what's been going on with your abs, bud? Well, they got back from Lake Tahoe, and uh, even though they played well, they just could not get a shot by Fleury. They got shut out on their game back from uh, Lake Tahoe to the fourth game of that series against the Golden Knights. Well, their starter is injured, and he's been playing out of his mind since he's had to play. Oh, okay. 
And yes, he's still in the league, and he's two shutouts in that four-game series against the Avalanche. And then they uh, got beat up pretty bad against Minnesota the next night, but they came back with back-to-back wins against the Arizona Coyotes with uh, the backup goalie, Hunter Miska, getting his first win of his NHL career on Friday night. So congratulations, Hunter Miska. And uh, they won again Saturday. Solid. They've uh, they're a good team. They've even in their losses, they tend to outplay the team. that's just goaltenders sometimes get the best of them. But they're only four points, mm-hmm. uh, four points cover the top six teams in the West, and only four of those teams are going to make the playoffs. So wow. it's a uh, it's a tight tight contest it's be for a the tight race. But it's fun to watch. Good teams. Vegas is very good. Minnesota is very good. Colorado is very good. So it's just fun hockey. Even in the losses, they're competitive. So I love hockey, and I can't wait. That's all you can ask for. Yes, sir. This is a Discover Central and a Hyundai West podcast. Take us to the quick hits. You'd be surprised how quick. Quick! Mayman hits. Quick hit. Quick hits. Quick hits. Game of the week. Game of the week. Oh. Brandon, do you believe? I she believe in the cup. She believe <laughs> cup took place this weekend. Uh, took place over the past couple of days. Um, and the U.S. women take it again. Uh, this one has been very different. They had to include a couple teams that haven't been in it before with Canada and Argentina. This is the first time England is not a part of it. Um, Japan was supposed to be in it, but they had to back out because of the COVID situation that is going on around the world. Um, and we captured our fourth title behind a, I believe a six Oh route uh, of Argentina. We have been getting a lot of flack because we had won our first game. One Oh, we beat Brazil two Oh people are like, Whoa, the American team. They're usually Pouring in goals. Well, Megan Rapino gave you two. Carly Lloyd gave you one. Sam Muse gave you one. Alex Morgan gave you one. Christine Press gave you another for six against the Argentines. Uh, so shout out to the U.S. women's national team. Boom. Greg. Yes, sir. This, uh, yeah. Canelo's back in the Canelo's ring. Canelo's back in the ring. Canelo was back in the ring. And a he said he wants to have four fights this year. Yeah, he's only had two months off of his last fight, or a little over two months. Not very much. It was just a glorified yeah, a little, sparring. Ten weeks, they said. Sparring m- match, I guess. This guy did not bring anything <laughs> to the ring. He hadn't fought in over two years. And uh, the pride yeah. of, where is he from? Turkey or something? I believe it, it was Turkey, yeah. He uh, just, he wasn't ready. He didn't f- seem like he wanted to fight and his corner agreed. And after, you know, a lackluster round of being, he, they were like, if you're not going to fight, we're not going to put you back out there. And then just doing the towel. So Canelo looked just amazing though. Towel. I mean, Canelo's he was body shot, uppercut, oh, body gosh. shot, uppercut. He was, he was tagging the dude and I'm sure he would have quit on his own if it hadn't even been for his corner. But Canelo's looking yeah, great. Um, and he, Canelo dropped him in the third. I feel like if he would have walked back out there, he would have got dropped again. Um, it, the guy from the onset of the fight, he he wasn't throwing any punches. 
It just looked, he just looked like a punching dummy. <laughs> he wasn't throwing anything. Like Greg said, Canelo was just taking it to him, body shots, uppercut to the face. Um, when he knocked him down in the third, he, uh, I think he opened him up with the left, came through flush with the right, right on the nose. And like the yep. dude fell so bad, like his arm twisted behind him. I was like, this is over. And as soon as he got to his corner, his corner was like, his corner man was like, Look, I'm about to throw this. Can you fight? And then they cut to a clip and they come back and they threw in the towel. And I don't even know if he could communicate with the fighter because he kept having to turn to the interpreters. Like, is he understanding me? It's he. It was uh, frustrating. <laughs> but yeah, the dude had his gloves He's at the top of his head. So his body was open the whole time. And he just was in there for the paycheck. I think it was obvious. Obviously. But, uh, honestly. I would love for Canelo to fight somebody. But the one thing about this name. fight that I did like, the one thing I did like about this fight, did you see any of the pregame right before the fight? That I saw a nine-minute in, uh, walk-in with the whole like concert <laughs> with the Yildirim. Um, <laughs> Yildirim was in the ring and nine minutes performance before uh, Canelo made it to the ring. That's very disrespectful. Look, look, when you're the when you're the champ, you, uh, when you go out and take him out in three, that's fine. Um, yep. But no, Ryan Garcia is saying that he wants uh, Javante Davis. That that got me excited. I would love to see that fight before the end of this year. For sure. Um, quick little spring training update. Spring training has started. The Marlins won 6-1 against the Houston Astros. Shout out to Jazz Chillum, who liked my t- chisel chisel. Chisholm liked my tweet on Twitter today. He's the future okay, at the shortstop position for us. Uh, Brennan. Yeah. It's Sunday. Sunday is for red. And Tiger was in an accident at the Wait start of this week. I yeah. had something to say about spring training. Oh, you did? Sorry. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw this quick hit out there. Just real quick. Um, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with the Padres. Uh, oh. Blake Snell. You, you on the Padres right now? Uh, Tatis Jr. getting paid. I'm just very interested to see what's going to happen with them. And also Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw. I'm very anxious to see what's going on there. That's all I wanted to say. Quick hit. I'm anxious to see about them and hear about them with our special guest if he ever remembers to plan his son's birthday not on the week we asked him to come on. But Sunday's for Red. And Tiger was in an accident this week. He is told to be. We're, we're, we've been told that he's responding, um, and the worst is behind us. Yeah, stable but, uh, condition behind us. How did you feel seeing some of the players? <laughs> uh, how did you feel seeing some of the players honor uh, Tiger today? I thought it was cool. Um, I don't care what you think about his personal life. He is one of, if not the greatest golfer of all time. I'd put him in the category of the greatest golfer of all time. Uh, I know some people want to argue about that, but apples to oranges. He's fantastic. I think in the last, I think in the last 15 years, maybe the last 10 years probably would be a better sample size. Some of these younger players are not intimidated by Tiger anymore. They're not afraid of Tiger anymore, and they have no reason to be. He's fallen off. He's had a lot of injuries. He's not the player he once was. Um, So it is easy to forget how dominant he was at one point. I was moved by the players wearing the red because it showed me that they remember how good he used to be, um, that he was at one point the greatest player to ever pick up a golf club. And also that 
even though they might not be intimidated or worried about him on Sunday when they're all playing in a tournament for the most part, they still respect him, which I honestly, as much golf as I follow, I thought that was something that was starting to lack because of the fact that he's kind of been out of it. He's been hurt a lot. I thought younger players, especially these some of these players in their early to mid-20s were kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like Tiger was, you know, my dad's generation, not my generation. But it was really, it was a really cool thing to see them being like, oh no, like we respect this guy. So I I, I enjoyed it. What do you think, Joe? Um I thought it was it was it was moving, it was touching. One of the things you said, um, and I think it's true, they don't fear him on Sundays as much as they used to. Um but they do they love the man more now um because they know yeah. the man more now um he's mm. opened up on the tour in recent years he's befriended guys that he's befriended a lot of the young generation whereas before he was standoffish to a lot of players um i think him captaining i believe it was the Ryder cup um when is the Ryder Cup when they do the international yeah, tournament? Yeah, it was the Ryder yeah. Cup. Yeah, um, when he capped in the Ryder Cup and had the guys with him, and they kind of galvanized around him and his play, and they kind of got to see a glimpse of oh, he is still that guy. You know, um, a lot of the players really warmed up to him, and he warmed up to them, and he started like giving guys tips, and he he's just grown as a person. Um, and I feel like the humanity is what the players uh, felt more in tune with after this latest uh, event. Um, and it, it was really cool, really moving. I saw like some of the guys, like even before they got out to the course today, they tweeted out their um, outfits, you know, and everything. So yeah. I just thought all of that was all that was. It's a. It's supposed to be a classy sport, and that was a real classy move by some yeah, of those guys. I loved it, man. I and like I said, <laughs> it's easy to forget in sports because it all happened so fast. It's easy to forget how great Tiger was. I mean, look at what we're doing now with the Jordan, LeBron debate, and then you know the Last Dance comes out, and people are people under thirty are like, "Oh, Jordan was pretty good, huh?" It's like, yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's easy. There's a reason and, and, everybody wants to be the Mike Jordan of their profession. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think it's in Tiger's situation, especially like I said, after the last ten years, it was very easy for people to lose kind of that intimidation factor. But no one ever lost the respect, which I I thought I took a lot of I took a lot away from that. Yeah, nobody lost the respect, and I think they discovered the man. The man has become more apparent to boom everyone, um, especially with. Uh, the last round we've seen him play competitively was with his son and that everybody so cool. marveled at how the clips leading up to that uh, tournament um, or that round they played like, wow, he swings just like him. His mannerisms are all like him, like seeing him as a father in that aspect. It kind of like humanized this person that we had. Um, criticize and idolize, and we made put this under a deity. microscope. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think he's become more human in the last couple of years. Um, and just think of the last tournament he won. He's walking on. Greg saw it. Um, we talked about it uh, after seeing the uh, Tiger doc on HBO. The last time he wins a tournament, he's walking off the course and he's hugging his son, like. That's who we're talking about now. So yeah, it was really cool. For 
those guys to do that. After everything that happened this week, our strongest segment would have been talking about Tiger not even playing in the tournament. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, <laughs> that's not where it is. Take us to the walk-off. Welcome to the big leagues! This is the walk-off, folks, where we get into essays or stories or ramblings from our chaotic minds. Um, This is a week I'm hosting, and I remembered, so I go last. So that means I will shut up. Shut up. All right. So I'm going to go first. I do not have my walk-offs the last couple of weeks have been sad, um, very emotional, very depressing, some might even say. So my walk-off this week is going to be more lighthearted, going to be a little bit more fun. I do just want to share a story from when I played many years ago in the New Orleans Bowl um, for Florida Atlantic University. I have you guys pulled up, so watch the faces that you make. Uh, I know my screen had did a thing. It flickered. Okay. Um, yeah, so... When we, uh, I played in the New Orleans Bowl, this was in 2008, uh, 2007, excuse me. Uh, but it was, um, the, the funnest, the most fun, the funniest story probably from the entire event. So it was December. We got down there December 13th. Uh, we were there for a week. We stayed at the Sheridan right down, um, in New Orleans proper, right? Literally like three blocks away from Bourbon Street. A lot of partying, a lot of drinking, even though I was only like, Little boy, little nineteen-year-old boy. <laughs> that doesn't but, stop um, you. They have open carry laws in New Orleans, so you can actually get the upperclassmen to buy you booze and then just walk around literally with an open bottle in your hand, just chugging out of the bottle. Totally legal. So the story I wanted to say, um, I was with a friend of mine uh, who also played fullback. There's a bunch of us outside this or in this bar. We're all drinking, having a great time. It's two days before the game, so our curfew wasn't until two in the morning. Uh, day before the game, it was 10, but two days before it was two in the morning. So we're all out having a great time, just living life, loving it. There's a part of Bourbon Street that transfers into something called the French Quarter, like that area. There's a, a street. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly the street name. It's either 6th or 10th or anyway, when you go from one side of the street to the other side of the street, there are rainbow flags everywhere. And they kind of announced this is the gay section of Bourbon Street. They put it out there on full display. So if you're not comfortable they with it, put it on Front Street. Stay exactly. Stay the fuck out. Like if you if you're not down. Nobody has a problem with this. We're at a bar literally adjacent to that cross section. Did not mean to make it sound like that. Um, and we're walk outside this bar, and in a distance. Which is in the gay section. The I don't know what <laughs> else I'm supposed to say. That section, there's a beautiful woman, about six foot tall, looking over at me and my friend. He's dead now, but he'll still remain nameless. Um, <clears throat> and she's looking at us. And we're kind of like, hey, what's going on? Well, my friend, fullback, so he's a crazy person. He's very intense. Uh, hammered. Goes, hey, that girl is checking us out. And we all kind of look at each other and look at him and go, hey, man, uh, that's not a girl. That, that's a guy. That's 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 a man. It's a trans. It's trans so I, the proper pronoun would be her or she. But this is a country boy who plays fullback. So he's not interested in pronouns. Um, 
So he convinces himself by yelling at us, no, that's a chick. That's a super hot chick. She's waving us over. I'm going to go over there. We all say, no, don't. Please stop. He goes over (laughs) there. They start making out. We don't think anything of it. We go back to the hotel. Next day, we get up and we see him sitting in the hotel lobby. Um, And we're like, hey, man, what's going on? He's wearing his helmet, like full uniform on, wearing his helmet as a punishment. We go, hey, man, what's going on? He goes, yeah, we went back to the room. And then when they got naked, they had a dick. And it was bigger than my dick. So I freaked out and woke everyone on the floor up screaming there's a dick there's a dick um obviously you woke the coaches up it's obviously past curfew uh so yeah that um that was probably the most fun story i'm probably messing up a few details but it was over 10 years ago but that is a story that always sticks out in my mind when i think of playing football and the new Orleans bowl. And like I said, I've been depressing the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to lighten it up with uh there's a dick story. <laughs> that was a misdirection when you said he was sitting in punishment. I was like, why is he punished? Why <laughs> is he wearing like, a helmet? Like the whole floor <laughs> and the lobby. Yeah. I was like, why is he ever? That was, <laughs> that was Schnellenberger's way of punishing you was to make you sit in the lobby for everyone to see like with all your shit on. I was like, why is he have a helmet? What is he getting punished for? Oh <laughs> yeah. Welcome the entire, your floor <laughs> yeah that was uh again i'm i'm sure nobody that i ever played with is gonna listen to this but if they do and i'm messing up some details just shoot me shoot me a dm don't don't blast me publicly if he's messing up the details you record your version of it and then we'll play it on the show how about that yeah how about that <laughs> all right Brenton, shut up it's my time to go my walk off this week is titled the dream Growing up black in America, the dream is to play ball. Athletes become your idol. You become intoxicated by the crowds and the allure of the fame and fortune. Then reality kicks in. You are black in America. This means people don't want you to succeed. At least 70 million of them. Uh, This means you will have to work twice as hard. This means you will have to prove more. This means walking around with a boulder on your shoulder. This means every interaction you have is not just a representation of you, but of your people. And then you get an opportunity. Renee Montgomery got hers. Growing up in West Virginia, to playing ball at UConn and capturing a national title, to getting drafted into the NBA and winning WNBA and winning two championships, to getting signed by the Dream, named for the iconic speech of Dr. King. Now it's 2020, a pandemic hits and racial justice is pushed to the forefront. And in the center of this is a senator from this state who happens to be the owner of the dream. And she makes an enemy of her players and her team, and they team up to get Raphael Warnock, her opponent, elected. Renee decided to opt out of the season and help with the work on the ground. Then she announced her retirement. Then she announced that she is now an executive and part owner of the dream who was bought out from Kelly Loeffler. Growing up black in America, you never imagined that your dream can become true. I see what you did there with the dream title. You you see what I did? You see what I did? I see what you did there. 
Yeah, I, I, it started flowing out of my head. It was like this is a long poem, basically. Um, it was good. Uh, just yeah. the twice as hard thing. I knew a lot of guys that came in to workouts with McDonald's, like on two hours of sleep. But hey, Look, I when mean, you're physical specimens, you don't have to work that hard. <laughs> Dude, these guys, I was in the gym like three times a day. These guys would come in with like Big Macs. I'm like, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> have you have you been seeing um, Ocho Cinco and Brandon Marshall on Brandon Marshall's podcast? I don't know what no, that is. No, I've heard about this. They, they have like a podcast together or something, don't they? It's, okay, I don't know if they have it together, but I just yeah, I think Ocho it is Cinco them together. Yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time. So Ocho Cinco, there's a clip circulating. I'll send it to you after this, but there's a clip circulating where they're arguing about um, their availability on the on the field, and Brandon Marshall is like, "I'm getting hit in my ankles. People take." on my leg. I was supposed to be out for four weeks. I came back next week. No, Joe Cinco was like, I got calluses because I ate McDonald's every day. They was aiming for my head. I was eating McDonald's and that's why I was healthy. I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Those dudes are fucking crazy. Those dudes are maniacs. What are you going to say, Greg? Greg looked like you wanted to say something. Well, I couldn't. I don't know when you were doing your impressions. You kind of went the silent. The louder you get. So it'll be on the recording. Yeah, the but louder it, you get. It didn't oh, really? come yeah. through. Zoom. Yeah. Like it. And you'd be surprised how quick. As a consummate professional, I just nodded. Yeah, because it'll right. be on the um, on the audio. <laughs> I was about to say, the, the funny thing is, like, I think last week they had Cam on, and Cam was talking about his injuries, and Chad was like, you know what you can do, right? He was like, I can't do that. He was like, I didn't even say nothing yet. He was like, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he you was, can do, right? <laughs> he was like, I, if I eat, if I start eating whatever I want, I'm going to balloon up to 280, and I no way I can play a 280. He was like, I'm going to live with I'd you. I'd like to see Cam try to play a 280, up. man. <laughs> I mean, it'd be, be like LeBron James out there playing quarterback effectively. Yeah, with a little belly. Yes, but Greg, take us to the press conference. And we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. Sir, 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 Brennan, tell us where we can find you. Oh, yeah. So my name is Brennan Tassif. I also do comedy. You can find me on BrennanTComedy.com. That's my website. Uh, Brennan T Comedy on all social media. Uh, I have some dates coming up uh, later on in uh, March. Uh, so nothing for the next couple of weeks. But also check out my other podcast. Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I have uh, comedians, musicians, actors, filmmakers, all sorts of people on. And we talk about... Chefs. chefs. I'm still trying to get that chef. We talk about... Uh, Drinking stories, getting in trouble stories, drug stories. I had my buddy CJ Couch on, uh, an up-and-coming comic here in Jacksonville. Talked about, uh, a lot about his uh, battle with uh, heroin and opioids and kind of how that's affected his life and kind of what he's doing now, trying to stay sober and do comedy. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great show. I love it. Um, Joe. Talk I love to him. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Dorville. You can check out my hip hop album TV by Headphone Joe. No O, no E in the phone. Uh, you can check out the socials for this podcast uh, at Cheering Press, Twitter and Instagram. Um, I think that's it, Greg. Listen network. to the other podcasts on the Anulo Network. Anulo. Uh, who does a podcast misbehavior journal club and go back and listen to the old episodes of this because they are great. Oh, thank you. Um, well folks, that is all. So Brennan, 
Take us out. That's why we play the game. Hello. Hello. Huge shout out, Lewis Nix, the third. Duval. RIP. You have been listening to the Anulo Podcast Network. We have four tremendous podcasts on our current roster. If you like the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, then you also might enjoy hearing the Ham Boys rank every song from the Hamilton soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast with hosts Headphone Joe and Kyle Loader. Get your sports talk radio fix with Cheers from the Press Box featuring Headphone Joe Dorville and stand-up comedian Brennan Tassif. Curious about how the brain works? Get your neuroscience knowledge with some laughs at Misbehavior Journal Club. This fortnightly science-slash-comedy podcast is where two lady researchers bring you the latest studies on behavior. It stars Amiel Moreno and Leah, a.k.a. Leah, or vice versa, Crevet. Finally, we have a new low. The podcast has started it all. This show features Farzad, Headphone Joe, Kyle Loader, L. Greg, and Scott by Scott. They discuss anything and everything depending on their moods or their level of sobriety at the time. Thank you for supporting the Anulo Network, and feel free to share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Thanks again, and goodbye.